Lovely. Thanks ever so much, Dawn. I feel as though the worship has touched on many of the things that I'm going to be speaking about. So uh, that's, that's lovely. Thank you. So we started our series this term looking at God the Father. And last week we looked at God the Son. And today we're looking at God the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read from John 16, verse 7 to 15. And hopefully it will appear on the screen in a minute. Daniel's doing his magic. Thank you. So starting at verse 7. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. To you. So I love definitions. So the first thing I'm going to do is read you a definition of the Holy Spirit from the New International Version Study Bible. So God the Holy Spirit is the co equal and co eternal Spirit of the Father and the Son who inspired Scripture and who brings new life to the people of God. So he's co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. He inspired all the scripture in the Bible, and he brings new life to everybody who puts their trust in him. Now, whole books have been written about the Holy Spirit, but today I'm going to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit as outlined by Jesus in the passage we've just read. Jesus has already told the disciples that he must leave them, and his disciples are filled with sorrow by this news. But Jesus comforts them and promises to send the Holy Spirit to be their counsellor. Now, in my version, it says counsellor. In this Bible, it said advocate, and sometimes it's translated comforter because the word used embraces all of those ideas. So I'm going to be using the word counsellor. Uh, because for me, that sort of is the right image for me. But, and I hope that's helpful to you. Jesus explains that it is to the disciples' benefit that the Holy Spirit comes, but that he won't come until Jesus has gone back to the Father. That involved Jesus going to the cross 
dying on the cross, being resurrected, and finally ascending to the Father. Jesus' departure was necessary to the Holy Spirit's coming because Jesus' bodily presence could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit's coming would mean that he is everywhere, in all places, at all times, and living in every believer. The Holy Spirit is a person, but is often described in Scripture as breath, or wind, fire, or water. So if you remember at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples, the first thing they hear is the sound of a roaring wind, and then they see tongues of fire. So visible expressions of the Holy Spirit's coming. And Jesus talked about streams of living water flowing into us and out of us by the action and work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is invisible, but he is another Jesus in the sense that he's the same as Jesus. And here he is described as counsellor sent by the Father to continue the work of Jesus on earth. Jesus was preparing the disciples for the time when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on them at Pentecost, which is described at the beginning of the book of Acts. In the passage we're looking at today, Jesus explains that there are three works of the Holy Spirit. One, he convinces us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Two, he provides guidance for all who choose to follow Christ by leading them into all truth. And three, he promotes the glory of Christ. So if we could have our first slide, please, Daniel. So the first work of the Holy Spirit is to convince or convict people in the world of sin and its consequences. And I'm just going to read verses 9 to 11 from the message version of the Bible because it just unpacks it a little bit. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin, that righteousness comes from above where I am with the Father, out of their sight and control that judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. So the basis of sin is unbelief in God, and that leads to separation from God. But Jesus came into the world not to condemn us, but to save us and restore our relationship with God. If our hearts, our deepest identities, identities are ruled by the me-first self, by what the Bible calls the flesh, then we are living lives of sin. Sin is essentially putting what I want before what God wants. So the Holy Spirit, in a loving and gentle way, convinces people that Jesus is the righteous one who, through his death on the cross, took our sin and defeated the ruler of this world, Satan, and condemned him to everlasting judgment. And Liz explained this really, really clearly last week of what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection. When I was about, <coughs> sorry, when I was about 12, a friend from school took me to a meeting of her church youth group. 
My family didn't go to church, so it was something I wasn't used to doing at all. At this meeting, <coughs> it was clearly explained that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for sin, including my sin. I didn't at that time respond to God, even though I understood intellectually what I had been told. It was about seven years later when I was convicted by the Holy Spirit and admitted my need for forgiveness and asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. When I was convicted, I also understood that God is a God of love, not wanting me or anyone else to be condemned and separated from God's love. In that gap of seven years, God the Holy Spirit had been at work in me. It was a bit slow, wasn't it? <laughs> and the conviction of the Holy Spirit brought me to the point of responding to God's invitation to me to surrender my life to him. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is about turning head knowledge into personal experience of the loving kindness of God in saving us from sin. The Holy Spirit works in us to reveal the truth about our need for God and our need for salvation from sin. The Holy Spirit is loving and gentle, never forcing his way into our lives, but patiently and gently working to reveal the truth to us, and I'm testimony to that. My brother searched for God in many different places for many years. I was praying for him, he did an Alpha course, and I got all excited thinking, now is the moment. But he finally settled on pursuing Buddhism. I was so disappointed, I kept praying. Then one night, he had a really, really vivid dream that stopped him in his tracks. It was Jesus on the cross telling him that he had died for him. And in the morning, my brother felt convicted of the need to confess his sin to God and ask Jesus to be Lord of his life. He gave up his Buddhism and chose to follow Christ, and he is still doing so today, which is great news. Have you experienced that conviction of the Holy Spirit and responded to God? Perhaps you're praying for family members or friends to come to know Jesus. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sins so that they too will know the joy of peace with God and life in all its fullness. The Holy Spirit is a loving and gentle being who reveals God's loving kindness and mercy when he convicts us of our need for forgiveness and repentance. So the second work of the Holy Spirit, and we'll have slide two now, please, Daniel. <coughs> the second work of the Holy Spirit is to guide believers into all truth. In verse 13 of our passage, Jesus says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it is the Holy Spirit who leads us to know and follow Jesus. Jesus prays in John 17, Sanctify them, the disciples, by the truth. Your word is truth. So the best source of truth and wisdom is our Bibles. And I fully support what Liz said last week about knowing and reading your Bible every day. In fact, we're told that all scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All scripture is God-breathed. There's the breath of God through the Holy Spirit. 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But we don't just gain intellectual knowledge of the truth in our Bibles. It is the Holy Spirit who makes the words come alive to us. And it's the Holy Spirit who makes them effective in bringing renewal and growth in our characters and in gifting us to serve God and our neighbor. I remember when I first became a Christian and was filled with the Holy Spirit, how the Bible came alive to me and how easily and naturally I talked to others about my newfound faith. I was energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit who was leading me to discover wonderful truths about God and I was excited about it. So how does the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth? In Ephesians 5.18, we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the verb that is used here in the original language means to go on being filled repeatedly. It's an ongoing process. To be filled with the Spirit is to be energized and controlled by the Lordship of Jesus so that we experience God's presence and power in our lives. This leads to renewal in our thinking, obedience to his will, boldness in our testimony, and consistent quality of Christian character. Well, this is what the Holy Spirit takes a lifetime to do, of course, in us. It's a lifelong journey guided by the Holy Spirit, helping us to become Christ-like. In the first instance, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples at Pentecost, and as a result, they were empowered to share the gospel, perform miracles, and receive revelation and gifts from God. In the book of Acts, we see how believers loved and cared for each other, and how the Holy Spirit transformed them. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our characters should be being transformed as he leads us to become more Christ-like. One of the reasons I started seeking to find out more about Jesus was because when I was at university, I lived with some girls who were Christians, and their kindness, gentleness, and unselfishness really impressed me. I was particularly affected by the changes I saw in a girl we lived with who became a Christian at the end of our first year and was transformed from being a rather difficult spiky person into a kind and helpful person. The best way of telling if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit is by the fruit of their lives. So let's have our next slide, please. What sort of fruit does the Holy Spirit grow in us? Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's quite a list, isn't it? We all fall short because we continue to sin, so we need to have broken and contrite hearts before God, confessing our impatience, our lack of self-control, our unkind words, etc. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to produce his good fruit in us. Notice that fruit is used as a singular word. It's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if we're being filled with the Holy Spirit of God each day, we should be growing in all of these characteristics. That's the real challenge, isn't it? 
This is a lifelong process, and Scripture tells us that we can resist the Holy Spirit, which stunts our growth as disciples. Sometimes we rebel, and we have blind spots to the truth of sin in our lives. So coming together in groups like Oasis enables us to help each other gently to become aware of wrong attitudes and actions and to confess our sins to each other and pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in helping us to be obedient to his work of renewal in our lives. In Ephesians 4, verses 29 to 32, we're told, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I don't think we do much brawling, but we probably do all of the other things from time to time. And so we need to constantly be working on these things, don't we, with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gives us spiritual gifts to lead us into truth, particularly through the gifts of preaching, teaching and prophecy, which strengthen, encourage and comfort believers. We did do uh, quite a bit about the Holy Spirit's gifts um, a while back now, so it's probably something that we need to revisit, and I'm not going to focus on that today because that's another huge area to talk about, so we'll save that for another time. So the Holy Spirit instructed God's people in Old Testament times through the prophets. He spoke through them. He instructed Jesus' disciples after his death and resurrection through the Holy Spirit's work, changing and empowering the disciples. And the Holy Spirit continues to reveal the truth of God to us now and work in us and through us to um, show the glory of God. So the third work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. The person of the Holy Spirit never seeks to glorify himself. His sole purpose is to glorify Christ, who in turn glorifies the Father. In verse 14 of our passage, Jesus says, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So Jesus brought glory to God the Father through his ministry on earth, his death, his resurrection and ascension. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus by teaching us the truth about these things and thus he glorifies God the Father who sent the Son to save the world. It's the Trinity in perfect unity bringing God's love and mercy to a sinful world. So we're going to simply come before God now and ask him to fill us afresh. So I'm going to invite Dawn to come back up if she would. Thank you. And (coughs) uh, perhaps it would be good to stand if you're able to. Don't worry if if you prefer to stay seated. That's fine too. If you stay seated, maybe have a posture of openness. Um, 
just to show that God, that you, you do want to receive from him. So if you'd like to stand, and I'm going to pray a simple prayer for the Holy Spirit to come and revive us today. And then we're going to sing, Spirit of the Living God, <coughs> fall afresh on me, a couple of times through. And then feel free just to relax in God's presence. You can sit down just to receive from God. It's, it's time for you to do business with God and receive from him. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, revive us today, we pray. Surprise us afresh with your loving presence and power. Heal the sick. Speak prophetically. Bind up broken hearts. Convict us of our sins. Pour out your gifts. Form your good fruit in us. And renew an all-consuming passion for Jesus in us. Amen. Amen.